0: The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. And the Book of Mormon is replete with examples of disciples and prophets who knew and understood and were transformed by the enabling power of atonement. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived, and in the last days neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. King Benjamin could see us and our descendants. He knew by prophetic power what we face. He knew from his own experience the terrors of war. He had defended his people in combat, relying on the power of God. He saw clearly the terrible powers of Lucifer to tempt and to overcome us. He was a great and a holy man. And he knew how to invite people to build on that rock of safety as well as any of the Lord's prophets. He started in his discourse where we must all begin to help people escape spiritual disaster. People have to believe that the danger is real to want to find safety. They have to fear the consequence of ignoring the peril. He made clear the hazards we face because we are free to choose between right and wrong. And because we cannot avoid the consequences of those choices. He spoke directly and sharply because he knew what sorrow would come to those who might not hear and heed his warnings.
1: Hey, y'all. Doesn't that really set the tone, Elder Eyring's remarks about King Benjamin? Because that is what we're talking about today on the Book of Mormon podcast. And this is episode 69. So Kevin and Shelby are here with you. We're here. (laughs) And I really enjoyed listening to Elder Eyring's remarks about King Benjamin and the kind of man that he was. And so I'm excited to discuss chapter three. I mean, that's where we're at in the Book of Mormon and get into those, um, just really dive in. (laughs) I took Kevin's line, but really dive in to what the scriptures and what King Benjamin is really trying to teach us because last week, you guys, was the beginning of his address. And so now we're moving into continuing his address. So I think Elder Irene really set it up really good to know what to expect.
2: Well, yeah, he, you know, that, that clip references some of the warnings that, um, King Benjamin made known to the people, you know, the the consequences of sin, right, and also of not repenting of their sins. And now that he's made those uh, that portion of the address, he continues his address in Mosiah chapter three. Um, and I've kind of like what I did was I put a note over this whole chapter and I put, I I wrote the plan of salvation. And then I said, I put Jesus Christ is at the center of that plan.
1: Hmm.
2: And it's true.
1: So something I want to point out right away, well, for referencing the first Verse and kind of what Elder Irene, that opening remark, said, President Irene. Um, King Benjamin saw our day. He saw the influences of Satan and how we could easily be entrapped, I would say. And in verse one, it says, uh, my brother and I would call your attention for somewhat more to speak unto you. For behold, I have things to tell you concerning that which is to come. That last little phrase, for that which is to come, tells you that. I mean, I don't. I know this is obvious, but he's a seer. He can see. Joseph Smith was also a seer. Our prophets can see ahead, further, um, to help warn and guide the people to prepare for Christ, and so. It's the same thing happened in here with King Benjamin as to what happens to President Nelson today. And so it's just when you really have that perspective of, look, they saw what was going to happen. And King Benjamin saw us. He saw our day. He saw these things and he's honing in on these key things. And one of those goes right back to what you said, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. His his plan of salvation and the atonement being at the center of everything.
2: And these people, the people of Zarahemla, they know concerning Jesus Christ, and mm-hmm. the gospel. Right. And they may even know. And if they don't, King King Benjamin's about to explain it to them that they are in a preparatory gospel, mm-hmm. which you know includes the law of Moses. Right. Right. And so he goes on to recount a vision that he saw or rather something that an angel told and or I guess he says an angel made known unto him. Right. Mm -hmm. An angel of God. Um, So this is what the angel made known unto King Benjamin. He said unto me, Awake, and hear the words which I shall tell thee, in verse 3. And behold, I am come to declare unto you the glad tidings of great joy. Um, For the Lord hath heard thy prayers, and hath judged of thy righteousness, and hath sent me to declare unto thee that thou mayest rejoice, and that thou mayest declare unto thy people that they may also be filled with joy. I think that's interesting. So obviously king benjamin was praying on behalf of his people he's a righteous ruler and god fearing and i would say that that's also god trusting
3: mm-hmm.
2: right and he decides to uh, well and he's visited by an angel of god ensure it it puts king benjamin at ease it makes his joy he, it causes him to rejoice but it's really for the purpose of causing his people to rejoice. And so remember, just like then elder, now president, Iring said, and just like we learned about last week, you know, as we, those who sin and do not repent, they're in trouble. Luckily this plan was put together with a savior Right. And he goes on to talk about the time cometh in verse five and is not far distant that with power the Lord omnipotent, who reigneth, who was and is from all eternity to all eternity, shall come down from heaven among the children of men and shall dwell in the tabernacle of clay and shall go forth amongst men, working mighty miracles, such as healing the sick, raising the dead, cursing the lame, or or, excuse me, causing (laughs) the lame to walk, the blind to receive their their sight, and the deaf to hear, and curing all manner of diseases. Um, And this is, he's talking about Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. Right now, he's the God of the Old Testament, as we know him, Jehovah, Mm -hmm. and he is guiding and directing, communicating with his people through prophets and through revelation, I'm sure, to yeah. those uh, spiritually attuned. But King Benjamin reveals unto them, which, again, they may already know this because Nephi knew it, right? But, you know, you here's an interesting thing that I wanted to add. And I know I'm talking a lot, but just because Nephi knew it, and wrote it down on plates and Jacob knew it and some other prophets along the way knew it doesn't mean everybody on in the continent knew it or even all the people of Zarahemla. How often do you meet other members of the church who maybe they are not quite, um, they haven't brushed up on their gospel knowledge lately, or they've kind of fallen away since their youth Mm -hmm. or or whatever, and they don't know all of the gospel truths that Mm -hmm. you may know, or that, you know, the church has, uh, has in its um, knowledge base, right? So we can't assume that, oh, King Benjamin's just telling these people things they already know. There's some people out there who either they don't know it because they haven't necessarily been taught it. They haven't had the chance to be taught it because maybe they're, parents you know whatever didn't teach them or they just haven't received a testimony of it yet so i thought i would add that like understanding the audience that he's speaking to
1: i like that um what i took from this verse is actually when king benjamin says and the time cometh and it's not far distant i took a note of when this chapter was written and it was, or the time frame of this being given was 124 BC, and then even then, Christ being born 124 years later, still he has to get to about age 33 when he begins his ministry. Mm-hmm. So add on another 33 years to that, you know, you're looking at like 100 and, uh, like 70 something, 180 years, right? But it really wasn't that far away, you know, in the time frame of, I mean, we can't really comprehend time that well. <laughs> Our brains cannot comprehend eternal time. And so I just thought that was interesting to think about, you know, and, and not, and I'm not comparing that in any way to like when president Nelson says time is running out, you know, I'm not saying we got 180 years guys. No, I'm just saying like, it's interesting to look at for yourself and see the time frame and, and what the prophets are saying and you know, put that into perspective looking at it now since it has happened. So
2: Yeah. Because anyway. and, and yeah, I like that.
1: Basically just a little fun fact to take yourself and and learn from it. Yeah. Is what I would say. But I did want to point it out. And, and in this chapter specifically, when it says like what he does, you know, working mighty miracles, healing the sick, raising the dead. I highlighted each one in different colors and it literally looks like a rainbow because he does so much for us while he's here. And he's teaching about what and he even does more in verse six too, um, casting out devils and evil spirits. And he just, it just keeps going on what the Lord does for us in verse seven as well. So,
2: and those things are are more um, personal, right? I, I to all of us,
3: mm-hmm. they're
2: broad, but they're personal because in in verse five, the working mighty miracles as he comes down or goes forth amongst men, while he's in the in the flesh, those are things that he did personally to people in Palestine, right? And then later, when he was resurrected, he did those same things in the American continent uh, or in the American uh, continent. But in verse seven, saying he shall suffer temptations and pain of body, hunger, thirst, fatigue, even more than a man can suffer. um, Those things, although they are done for each of us, they are done for all of us. And so th- that's, that's, you know, that was part of his high commission.
1: Yeah. So I want to bring this back to Elder Iring's opening remarks. <laughs> I like, I like that we started with him. Um, he, sh- okay, let me get my words here. He basically says that King Benjamin saw the, the plan of the adversary, sell so the plan of Satan and how to entrap us. Hmm. um God also knows that our heavenly father knows that. And Jesus Christ knew that. I mean, from the foundation of the world, they knew what Satan would be up to down here. And it really does all come back to the plan because if you think about it, how I see this chapter is basically He's saying everything that Satan is trying to do to us or or catch us in some way. And every single time the antidote is Jesus Christ in his atonement. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. And I don't know how to like say it, but it's like, man, you messed up. You sinned. Well, what's the antidote of the atonement of Jesus Christ? Right? Like getting to know our Savior and coming unto him. Or I mean, you're really tired today. I mean, you just had a baby and you're you're just so fatigued. What is the antidote to that? I mean, obviously, there are things that we can do medically now and sleep and things like that. But really, to have someone understand that, it's Jesus Christ. It's the Savior. You know what I'm saying? So there's like, I just see this whole chapter as here's all the plans, game book. Here's it all, right? We know it all. And here's how we combat it all. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And it's a beautiful plan because it brings us back to live with our heavenly father and savior again.
2: Right. The the atonement of Jesus Christ has an enabling power Mm -hmm. to help us here on earth and and help us through trials. There's a very specific Mm -hmm. thing that you mentioned, like having a baby.
1: Well, I thought of being fatigued. And I'm like, people who have babies must be fatigued.
2: <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. Also, just the beat down maybe of, you know, your circumstances, mm-hmm. you know. Um,
1: yeah. You mentally fatigued.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of what I was going for too. Um, and then, of course, there's the redemptive power, which mm-hmm. redeems us from the overarching uh fall of adam
3: mm-hmm. right
2: we are in this fallen world uh, which we'll get to in a little bit where you know in which all men and women sin
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's unavoidable right right um so of course in verse 8 king benjamin uh declares what this what god when he comes down from, uh, you know, into the flesh, he'll be called Jesus Christ, the son of God, the father of heaven and earth, the creator of all things from the beginning and his mother shall be called Mary. And these are things that, again, Nephi was shown by an angel as well,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but, you know, we can't assume that, oh, everybody just knows, everybody knows it. So King Benjamin is reiterating this as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Verse 9, and lo, he cometh unto his own, that salvation might come unto the children of men, even through faith on his name. And even after all this. Right. The the suffering that he'll go through, the miracles that he wrought. They shall consider him a man and say that he hath a devil and shall scourge him and shall crucify him. And so.
1: Which we have record that they actually did do.
2: Correct. Yeah.
1: If I can chime in, I was reading this chapter during the sacrament today and I highlighted, and they shall scourge him and shall crucify him. And I'll, I wrote this in my margins because I think it's important. And I just put, I hope I know him when I see him. Oh, uh-huh. wow. Because I really, I really do hope. That when he comes again, I don't fall into this trap of it's just another person or I don't recognize my own savior.
3: Hmm.
1: Like I want to be able to recognize him after all that he's done (laughs) just for me alone. And then for the people that I love and for the whole world. I mean, I really do hope I recognize him when I see him. And it's a good question to ask yourself and take a little bit of an inventory do you, would I recognize the savior if he came today?
2: Yeah. I just, I kind of put myself in a, in the perspective or in the, the shoes of people here in Zarahemla who are listening to this and they're like, whoa, you know, this, the, this, The Lord Omnipotent. He comes down. He does all this and then he's he's murdered. Right.
1: Yeah. Basically. Crucified.
2: Yeah. Um, And in verse 10, King Benjamin says, and he shall rise the third day from the dead and behold, he standeth to judge the world and behold, all these things are done that a righteous judgment might come upon the children of men. What does, what is he actually referring to there? You know, all these things that means all these things, you know, not only, I mean, we can go all the way back to him. um, You know, taking on the, that commission from the father, even in the, pre-mortal life and it goes all the way down to where he, you know, he's coming forth in the flesh and uh, working mighty miracles. Of course, then he suffers temptations of every kind. You know, he's putting himself in our same, um, our same conditions where he can be tempted. He can suffer. And, of course, then he goes on to suffer even more than man can suffer, right? Uh, Except it be unto death, King Benjamin says. And, yeah, I mean, all these things are ensuring that he is qualified to judge us perfectly.
1: Right. There's that, what was the name of that um, hymn today?
2: Behold the great redeemer die.
1: I what, yeah, there was a line, um, in that hymn that's like standing out to me, and it's like coming. I don't know the actual words, so let me look it up really quick. Um, so behold the great redeemer die. There's something about right here, it says, Although in agony he hung. No murmuring word escaped his tongue. That to me shows how his judgment is also just um, in just one little way. Because he he never murmured when any of this was being done to him. And I, and I liked that phrase today in the sacrament hymn. Like no murmuring word escaped his tongue. His high commission to fulfill. Like he knew it was on the line by giving in. Right. Right. He knew, man, every single person that has lived is living right now or ever will live, which I'm sure he had a capacity to know who was still coming. If I let anything overcome me right now, which he didn't, you know, but that thought if he if you're to let anything overcome you, um it fails. The plan fails. I can't ensure righteous judgment of my people. And so that just spoke volumes to me in the sacrament today about our Savior. Yeah. And the weight that he really did carry. Because I I think I wrote in the, the hymn Marginal, I, I shared it with you, that there are so many movies where – that are portrayed of like this this one person, only this person can do it that, you know, can save the world or save whatever needs to be done. And that's a type of Christ. I never looked at it that way before until I was thinking about it today in sacrament. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: It's a type of Christ because it's just that one person who is assigned and, you know, that one calling, whatever it is they need to do. So he really does understand everything. You know? Yeah. He understands the needs of his people and he knew what was on the line and he fulfilled it.
2: The next verse goes into kind of what we were talking about earlier, what I mentioned earlier about the fall of Adam, you Mm -hmm. know, subjecting the whole world. Every person who comes to earth, they're in the fallen state where they will unavoidably sin.
3: Mm
2: Um. And it says, his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, atones, well, atoneth
3: mm-hmm.
2: for the sins of those who have fallen by the transgression of Adam, who have died not knowing the will of God concerning them, or who have ignorantly sinned. So that's one, that's one way that the judgment is just, just right, righteously just. Those who unavoidably sin because of their fallen nature and did not have, uh, who who died not knowing the will of God, his blood atoneth for them, right? However, woe, woe unto him who knoweth that he rebelleth against God. For salvation cometh to none except, excuse me, To none such except it be through repentance and faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you do know God, if you know concerning his will, you have to repent. It's not an option like, yeah, I could repent. No, you have to repent, which our current prophet, the president of the church, President Russell Nelson, he has done such a marvelous job at defining repentance in a positive light. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he's the first. I'm not saying that it was all weeping and gnashing of teeth before, Mm -hmm. but he has done a great job in the short amount of time he's been with us as president that repentance is a good thing. It's a positive thing or rather it can be. um, If you choose to look at it in that, that way
1: Mm-hmm. And and in verse 13, you basically just gave a modern day example of what the Lord does. It says he he has sent his holy prophets among the children to declare all these things that, that those whosoever should believe that Christ should come, the same might receive the remission of their sins and rejoice with exceedingly great joy, mm-hmm. even as though he had already come among them. So these are people who are looking forward to Christ coming. Yeah. Okay, and, and doing the things that King Benjamin is talking about. We today are the people who are looking back, believing that this happened, mm. right? Because we have all this record. And at the beginning, um in verse three, was it? Oh, four, three. So the angel who came and talked to King Benjamin is saying that. I want you to declare into this people that they may be filled with joy too. And then I believe that comes at the end of verse 13 about having, how did we get that joy? It's through the remission of their sins and looking forward to Christ as he had, as it had already happened, even though it hadn't. Right. Right. That's really cool to think about because my whole life I've looked back as it did happen and believed that it happened, but they have the perspective of the other, right? It will happen, but I'm acting like it has. Right? Right. It's kind of cool.
2: Right. To put yourself. And that's really I mean, it's a, a simple way of expounding the doctrine of a eternal, infinite atonement,
3: right.
1: because
2: it it, even though it hasn't happened yet, quote, unquote, it is affecting them. It's retroactive, right?
1: right. Exactly. And the prophets and the Lord, uh, well, the Lord sends his prophets to testify of these things. They're always inviting us to repent. Um, But (laughs) however, 14, it says the Lord God saw that his people were a stiff necked people and he appointed unto them a law, even the law of Moses. So he knew that we would be stubborn. Shocker, right? But some of us get super stubborn and super stiff necked And that's why he gives unto them the law of Moses to point them forward to Christ.
2: Yeah. In verse 15, it goes on to explain further. And many signs and wonders and types and shadows showed he unto them concerning his coming. And also holy prophets spake unto them concerning his coming. And yet they hardened their hearts. And understood not that the law of Moses availeth nothing except it were through the atonement of his blood. It's understood that the law of Moses was strict. Yeah. Right. And, you know, those, and I'm not, I'm not, I hope I'm not coming across as a, as pharisaical (laughs) here, like when I'm saying this, but those who understand the commandments today, see it no less strict as you know, than the law of Moses. It's just that there aren't these strict ritualistic, you know, ceremonies that we do, but the way that we do live our lives and, Mm -hmm. and carry ourselves and, and act in faith and uh, unto repentance and all these things, those things have to be very strict or, or rather disciplined, right? we I think not strict, but we have to be disciplined in living these principles.
1: It's interesting because you think about the law of Moses. I mean, they did a lot of sacrifices. They right. were offering a lot on the altar and it's so cool. Cause obviously God and heavenly father, God heavenly father and Jesus Christ knew what our time would look like. And us, uh, if we were still burning, like, you know, our, our raising lambs. Like he knew we weren't going to be raising lambs and like offering them up for, you know, sacrifice. And so he then switched it. I wouldn't say switched it, but made it more applicable for our day to live. Right. Do you get what I'm trying to say? No,
2: I do. I I see what you're saying.
1: I don't, I don't know if you have more words to explain what I'm saying, but it's just cool how he, he knew the time period and knew what we would need you what I'm
2: saying? No, that is a really cool perspective mm-hmm. that I haven't really thought about it like before. a cultural
1: perspective, I Be- guess.
2: Because there are places on the earth that they are still raising lambs mm-hmm. and like crops and right. they, their tithing is, hey, I'm going to take one out of every 10 eggs that my chicken lays. I'm going to take it to the bishop, you know, you know, for for my tithing. Right. There are those places. Really? undoubtedly i mean not not everywhere has a a form of currency i'm obviously these are very undeveloped places but there's got to be some people who's it's
1: got to be small though very small
2: yeah oh in the grand scheme of the global church yes like the people who are offering up one-tenth of their income is much more than those who offer one-tenth of their gain in other temporal things but um I'm just, yeah, no, I, I do like how you're saying, like, in a way, the graduation from mm-hmm. the law of Moses was also to prepare the world like for a
1: development of culture as well,
2: which was very, very fast, yeah. like over a short amount of time.
1: Yeah. So I, I think that was my point, right? It, it was right. very quick and the Lord knew it would be that development. And so that's why when he gives us the higher law, um, it's not I don't know. it's it's got to be different than what it was to also keep up with the the changes that happened. Yeah, however, it still means <laughs> the same.
2: I think where we I think a good transition mm-hmm. from this topic topic is actually in the very next verse, where it talks about the nature of mm-hmm. man, right? Of mankind and it's largely again due to the fallen world right
3: right
2: so the the first thing that king benjamin addresses is even if it were possible that little children could sin they could not be saved so he's he's saying that really he's saying that children little children cannot sin because they are innocent right he doesn't he expounds upon it a little bit later i believe But I I wanted to expound upon it right now. (laughs) Okay. Um, So they could not be saved because of the fallen world without a savior, Mm -hmm. right? But I say unto you, they are blessed, for behold, as an Adam, or by nature they fall, even so the blood of Christ atoneth for their sins, Mm
1: -hmm. right? There's a chapter at the end of the Book of Mormon, Moroni. Uh, and it says, it, I just want to expound upon this. Uh, eight Moroni 8.8. 8. Um, Behold, I came into the world not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The whole need no physician, but they that are sick. Wherefore, little children are whole, for they are not capable of committing sin. Wherefore, the curse of Adam is taken from them in me, meaning Jesus Christ, that it hath no power over them. So. I just wanted to
2: Yeah. No, thank you. Clarify that. Because when I first read it in out loud,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I immediately was like, Oh, I need to I need to really hammer home on this point. Yeah. <laughs> that that little children he's saying that they cannot sin. Right. In verse 17 he continues, and moreover, I say unto you that There shall be no other name given, nor any other way, nor means whereby salvation can come unto the children of men, only in and through the name of Christ the Lord Omnipotent. For behold, he judgeth, and his judgment is just, and the infant perisheth not that dieth in his infancy. But men drink damnation to their own souls, except they humble themselves and become as little children and believe that salvation was and is and is to come in and through the atoning blood of Christ, the Lord omnipotent. So this, the the reason that I thought that this was a good transition from what we were talking about with regard to, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm backpack backpedaling for no reason. So I'll, I'll kind of keep it brief, but how we were talking about, you know the law of Moses. <clears throat> one of the reasons it changed, or was fulfill- the reason it was fulfilled,
1: was because Christ came. Is
2: because Jesus Christ was the actual lamb,
1: to s- the slaughter,
2: slaughtered, um, being perfect. He was the only sacrifice that ever needed to be made. Right? He's the literal sacrifice, the burnt offerings that were offered all throughout time before that point they were symbolic of him being sacrificed right so going forward we we don't need any more sacrifices live mm-hmm. animal sacrifices instead we're going to
1: need our heart
2: oh uh, you, you were pointing at your heart and i was yeah. like sacrifice my heart no <laughs> no. <laughs> no no the the now we our behavior, our thoughts, ourselves, it, ourselves, and I, I can't. I I, I want to stress it that it's so much harder to actually just be a good person instead of oh man, I messed up. All right, let me chop this lamb up. Right, that's a lot easier than to change my nature.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right so that's what king benjamin goes on to talk about is changing our nature and if i may you may in verse 19 he says for the natural man is an enemy to god and has been from the fall of adam and will be forever and ever unless he yields to the enticings of the holy spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord, and becometh as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. Before I go on, and I want to turn over some thoughts to you, Shelby, but I wanted to... Reference the Book of Mormon student manual, which I thought was appropriate. It says the terms natural or by nature are commonly used or as commonly used indicate an inherent part of our identity, something with which we are born. In the scriptures, however, natural means fallen or sinful. Though born innocent, all men through the fall of Adam Come into a fallen world and into a state of spiritual death, separated from the presence of God. Knowing good and evil and living in this imperfect state, all men sin and experience a resultant fall of their own uh, of their own. (laughs) In other words, it is through the transgression of God's law that one becomes a natural man. Hence, a natural man is an enemy to God until he qualifies for the cleansing influence of the atonement through living the commandments of God. The only reason I wanted to bring that up is because several years ago, I I said um, I referred to my sinful nature and all of our sinful nature is, you know, the natural man. And the person who I was speaking to was like oh, that doesn't sit right with me. You know, don't you think that, you know, your natural, you know, what you were born with is good and it's kind of the world that inflicts it upon you or or like, wouldn't God make you perfect? And, you know, and and I was like, oh, I don't really know what to say because I didn't really like I said one thing, but they interpreted as another. So I thought that it was important to kind of explain more about what this means in the, in the scriptural sense.
1: Yeah, I wanted to give a really simple example of this in action, and it happened to us yesterday. Oh. And it's super simple, very very simple. Okay, but we believe in uh, one of the articles of faith, or that we believe in being honest, true, chaste, benevolent, virtuous, mm. and in doing good to all men, right? And indeed, we may say that we follow the admonition of Paul. We believe all things. We hope all things. We have endured many things and hope to be able to endure all things. Wow. If there is anything virtuous, lovely, or good, or or praiseworthy, we seek after these things.
2: Some scripture mastery there.
1: Uh, it's just the 13th article of faith. However, when I focused on the first part. That was a little challenge to myself to see if I remembered it. So I know. Thanks for everyone listening. But true, chaste, beloved, virtuous uh, commandments. One of the commandments we have is to be honest with our fellow men. Um, It's something the Lord's asked us to do, right? As we follow that, we do become, uh, we put off the natural man that would want to be dishonest, okay? So we were at Old Navy, and Kevin had been needing some pants and a few shirts. He just needed some updates on his wardrobe (laughs) because his pants you know how okay. guys you know how guys are. They just move along. They take forever <laughs> to buy new clothes. So we're at Old Navy and um the pants we're getting, he's getting three pairs of pants, they're twenty dollars each. And I'm telling you this because it will make sense. And you got three shirts and they were ten dollars each. So this adds up to about a hundred, right? Now we're at the register, and as she tells us the total, it says 79 or it says like 80. And I'm like I I had been doing the math in my head, right? And then I have this thought, which is the spirit. Okay, I'm yielding to this thought of the spirit because I want to be honest. And I'm thinking, maybe there's just some discount going on. But then I was like, uh, you know, the thought was just ask her. So then I say, hey, did you get all three pairs of pants scanned? And she goes, she looks and she goes, oh, no, I didn't. And she scans the last one and then the bill goes up to what we thought it would be. That is an example of putting off the natural man in a very simple way because there was another part of me for a split second that thought, Shelby, if you ask, you might be losing a free pair of pants, <laughs> right? You know, you you might walk out of here with a free pair of pants. I still would have felt guilty even if I had done that and not ask. I would have known and I would have came back because – I'm trying to be like Christ would. but it's that's a very that's an example of putting verse nineteen into action in a very simple way. And as we do that, small and simple, every single day of our lives, it adds up to a very big change over time where we literally change our state to becoming more like our Savior Jesus Christ. So I just wanted to share that. Um, example, because it is really that simple. Yeah. So, now you know.
2: <laughs> and it was a cool experience.
1: It really was, because Kevin, you had some of the same similar thoughts, though. You just thought it was a discount as well, um, and he felt the same way. I was just yeah. the one to ask the question of, "Hey, did you ring up all of the pants? Because twenty dollars is missing somewhere, unless we just got twenty dollars off that we didn't know, right? Right. So." And we'll be blessed for that in some way (laughs) because we kept the commandments.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, King Benjamin being a seer, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: he goes on to speak more concerning the time shall come when the knowledge of a savior shall spread throughout every nation, kindred tongue and people. When that time cometh, None shall be found blameless before God, except it be little children, only through repentance um, and faith on the name of the Lord God omnipotent. So and this, you know, this refers to a time um, that, you know, all people will know the name of Jesus Christ and none will be able to deny him. And I I say that, and I I also wanted to add, there's still going to be people who do deny him. Obviously, you you will not be able to um, reasonably deny him. But I do believe that people will, because they are stiff-necked, and they've hardened their heart. Um, And that's why... (laughs) Prophets all throughout time and today uh, do cry repentance, change your natural stiff-necked nature, and yield to the Spirit. Um, and uh, King Benjamin kind of finishes that thought by saying that you know the the words that he's spoken were commanded of god um and that they shall stand as a bright testimony against this people at the judgment day in verse 24. so and f- from there w- what are your thoughts Sean?
1: i was just say and this is why prophets um say like i think it's moroni or mormon who says this but i will meet you at the judgment bar of god yeah and my words shall stand against you at that day this is why those prophets say this because the testimony of their words will stand against you or for you mm-hmm. at <laughs> that last day for sure with how we decide to act or choose to act or you know our choices yeah um yeah and 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 he i guess he goes on to say that you know if they're evil uh basically you're going to want to shrink from the presence of god because you're going to have a knowledge of that perfectly clear that that was not what you should have been doing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And you can't deny it. You cannot deny it because the judgment is just. It's, it's been set. And so if they are evil acts, then my goodness, I understand why that would be such a torment. Because at that point, if you have not repented, what do you do? It's this awful state of guilt. And if you've ever felt guilty before it is not a good feeling i don't like feeling guilty
0: <laughs> yeah i, I mean, really either.
1: don't and that's why i'm always trying to be honest <laughs> so anyway that's in verse 25 if you guys were wondering
2: and he you know he goes on and th- this in a way is kind of reiterating what he talked about in the last chapter at the very end um when he talks about the awful situation of those that have fallen into transgression, but more those who have done that and don't repent, right? Don't change their ways. And that's the thing is that what we're talking about when we talk about repentance is again, just changing from that nature, allowing the atonement of Jesus Christ to change us to to heal, cleanse us, and move forward. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean spend the rest of your days languishing in what what we did. It's to move forward and um, having offered up uh, our hearts to Him.
1: I think it comes down to this. Those people that might not move forward, it's because they must not trust in that promise that the Lord really does forgive You know, because if you if you're truly repenting, you're moving forward in faith that the Lord's going to forgive and he's going to forgive it. And he's going to let you move forward and him move forward. And when we stay there and don't let ourselves move forward, there has to be some lack of understanding or lack of trust going on.
2: Mm -hmm. There's also from my studies and and classes that I've been in. There are also people whose identity is tied with the, you know, to the mistakes that they've made. And so, you know, they don't, they don't want to be, they don't, it's not, it's a weird, I, I haven't prepared my thoughts on this. So if I say something that seems kind of off, then this is the, Gospel, according to Kevin. <laughs> um, but, you know, some people, although they want to be forgiven or they want to be pardoned, but they don't want to necessarily give everything away. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, they don't want to give away those things that make them who they are in their own mind, in their own mind's eye. Like, I'm the person who committed adultery.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm the person who, you know, who lied and stole, committed murder. I'm that person. And if I give that away, who am I? I'm, you know, am I even worse without, you know, mm. I don't know. There, there's there's something along those lines. But the the fact is, is that your sins have already been paid for. And we've talked about this in recent Multiple episodes. Times, yeah. yeah. So I won't go too hard on it on that point, but you just need to give it over to the Lord so that you can move forward.
1: It's like holding a bomb in your hand and you're like, no, it's mine. And the Lord's like, yo, I've already taken that and detonated it. Like or, it's already yeah, disarmed or it, disarmed it. I don't know. Yeah. That's the better word. And you're just over there like, no, I got to keep it. That's so stupid, right? Like that's dumb because it's gonna blow up in your head. Well,
2: and no, like here, here, no, you, let me repair that analogy, if I may. <laughs>
1: what do you mean repair? You've got the bomb. Okay. It's
2: been disarmed by the Lord. Yeah. But because you haven't let you haven't really believed it, you don't believe in His disarming power. power. You're saying no, this thing is gonna blow. Uh
3: huh.
2: I know it's gonna blow up. And you can't tell me otherwise, right? Mm. This is a bomb.
1: Mm-hmm. Bombs blow up. Right.
2: Right. You, you. It's a preconceived notion that you're just a sinner or that mm. this is just who you are.
1: And you and, can never move forward from And that. I'm
2: not going to change. Right. Even if I were to believe that I could be forgiven, some people don't think that the people around them we'll move on either. So it's like, I'd rather, I would rather just be this person. And then this procrastinating the day of your repentance saying, well, you know, uh, in the millennium, it'll all be figured out or in in the spirit world, it'll all be figured out. You know, that's, it's too late.
1: Yeah.
2: Nevertheless, I do. I don't, I didn't necessarily prepare, and I know, Shelby, you didn't prepare. Um, well, actually, I don't know that you didn't prepare, but I don't think you went too far, if at all, into Chapter 4
1: no, in your I studies. No, I did not, but it is my favorite chapter.
2: I do want to end this episode
1: just creeping
2: forward a little bit into Chapter 4 where it says in verse 1, And now it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of speaking the words which had been delivered unto him by the angel of the Lord that he cast his eyes around about on the multitude and behold, they had fallen to the earth for the fear of the Lord had come upon them. And it says they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried aloud with one voice saying, Oh, have mercy and apply the atoning blood of Christ that we may receive forgiveness of our sins and our hearts may be purified for we believe in Jesus Christ, the son of God who created heaven and earth and all things who shall come down among the children of men. And I just put in my notes, faith unto repentance. Hmm. They had exercised faith and now they were ready to repent. And uh, as a, um, I guess uh uh consequence or the next thing that happens after they've decided to repent is that they
1: repent
2: well they, they never stop repenting they they learn and grow and continue in faith unto more repentance and it is a it is progression.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's not the end, we're good. <laughs> you know these right. people become some of the most. Uh, strong, faithful, spiritually empowered people in all the Book of Mormon. Not the most, but among the most.
1: And it's because they let the Lord in their lives and their will. They kind of gave up their will for his will. And they became so much more because of it. Um, It's like a parent, you know, a parent usually knows what's good for the kid. We're not perfect parents, but we have an idea. And and if the kid listens, they do become more than they could have been on their own because of the help of their parents. It's the same thing with Christ and Heavenly Father. We can become so much more of who he wants us to be if we just let him. And one of the ways we let him is through continually repenting and changing our nature.
2: Yeah. So that's... Um... I think that's both our concluding thoughts.
1: Yeah, I would say so.
2: (laughs) And, um, we, we, in time to spare on this episode. So that's (laughs) awesome. We are super grateful for those of you who have listened to this episode. Um, we love interacting with you and and hearing from you. So feel free to contact either one of us. Uh, You know how to do it. Um, I say that obviously it's through social media, through our phone number because you may have it. Um, it's not hard to get either <laughs> if you want to stay in more con- in more consistent contact with us. Um, a few last mentions: we do have our website up and running now. Um, it's kind of like official. It's Christ centered conversations.org and you can find all of our podcast feeds on there. You can find our blog, which we are both collaborating on Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Uh, Shelby more than I, Um, not that I don't want to, I just have other, I I do more of the production of the podcast episodes and things like that. Um, But there is more stuff out there. And then, you know, at this time, come follow me for the year 2021 just started. Don't do what some of you and I know I did last year, which is, you know, start strong and then let it fall off. You know, stay consistent. Mm-hmm. That's my invitation to you because there are, you know, all the, you know, the Book of Mormon full of gospel truth. Um, there is revelation to be had in studying the Doctrine and Covenants too.
1: Let me say something about Come Follow Me really quick that just came to my head. Write down why you want to study Come mm. Follow Me and put it up, and that will be a reminder, and it will most likely make you continue to do Come Follow Me. I like that. Write it down. There's power in writing down things, so do it.
2: Okay, y'all. Well, we will be back next week to continue... Um onward in Mosiah chapter four.
1: Woohoo. Bye.